Get ready to be transformed. Transformed in your spirit, soul, body, finances, in all areas of your life. As a catalyst, Leanne is passionate about helping you step into your potential and fulfill your deep-seated dreams. If you desire your optimal kingdom upgrade, then this podcast is for you. So grab a notebook and welcome to The Transformational Coach with your host, Leanne Goff. I am super excited to be with you today and uh, just share some things with you about my own personal transformational breakthrough. My goodness, at, at the time uh, when I, I had my transformational breakthrough, it was in uh, two, October 2002. Uh, before that time, I, oh, I guess I had been to 20-something nations at that time. I'd really have to go back and calculate it. Uh, but I was this woman of God traveling the nations. I had my own ministry. You know, oh, I was going all kinds of places, um, you know, and uh, but I, I, I was just, I, was, I wasn't free. Our, our family had lived on the mission field. In fact, my husband and I had been on the mission field for a while in uh, Mexico. And uh, we had, because of some circumstances, we had to come back to the United States. And actually, I felt like a failure. I don't know if you've ever felt like a failure. I have more than one time, actually, but I'm going to talk at this time when I felt like a failure. And actually, since that time in 2002, I don't know that I've really felt like a failure since then. But anyway, uh, well, actually, October 2003. But we came back to the States in 2002. And I really felt like a failure. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, God will never use me again. I was in my forties. I'm like, really? I mean, like God will never use me again. Um, I thought life was over for me. You know, I'd failed God, you know, my, my dream of being on the mission field had um, finally come about. And here I am back in the United States, you know, and I just felt like a failure. And I can remember that um, I went, I spiraled down into a major, major deep, depression, this woman of God traveling the nations. I was uh, in a massive pit of depression. Um, I found myself um, on antidepressants. Um, I would go, I was actually at the time working for Blue Cross Blue Shield in Des Moines, Iowa. I was sitting in a little cubicle without a telephone, key punching about 40,000 keystrokes of prescription drugs a day. And I just sit there and just key punch these prescription drugs, looking at a computer screen. And I remember I would, I would go to the, the bathroom. I'd go into one of the stalls and I would just cry. I just cry and cry during my break and going, God, I failed you. You'll never use me again. And da, da, da. this is late 2002. And uh, I was just a wreck. I was a mess. And, uh, but God, but God, he had a plan. He had a plan for a major breakthrough in my life. And maybe you're in that place right now. And you just feel like depressed. You feel like hopeless, you feel like you failed God or you failed somebody. And you're just at that place that you're in the, at the end of your rope. And you're, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh, it, will it ever, ever get out of this mess? Well, trust me, friend, you are on the verge of a major breakthrough. Okay. Let me just kind of unpack my story for you. And so I can remember that, uh, this incredible, um, uh, revival was taking place in Toronto. They called it the father's blessing. And my son-in-law, Christopher, he'd be like, Hey, you ought to listen to this. You know, this, it was a CD at that time. I think it was, maybe it's a cassette tape. I can't remember of Heidi Baker or this guy, Bill Johnson or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to Cho's church in, you know, Korea. I've been to Brownsville revival, like many, many times over the years, like, yeah, whatever. Um, and I would just, didn't, wasn't interested, honestly, in listening to any of this stuff. I didn't know who Heidi Baker was or any of these people were. Um, but then when we had to come back unexpectedly from Mexico back to the United States, I just, again, I felt like a failure. And so um, now I was interested in listening to what this woman and some of these men had to say. And um, 
our church in, in Iowa at the time uh, decided in October 2003 to take a team to the, the revival in Toronto known as the Father's Blessing. And now I was like majorly interested uh, because I was just, I was really at the end of my rope. And what I did one morning, to be honest with you, I uh, got up about five o'clock in the morning. This was around February of 2003. And uh, before I went to Blue Cross Blue Shield, punch in my 40,000 plus keystrokes of prescription drugs for the day. I laid down face down on my floor in my living room. And this is what I said. I said, God, something's not right. You didn't create me to live the way I'm living. I don't care. I'm laying down my reputation. I'm carrying, I'm laying down all my titles. I'm laying down my ministry. I'm laying myself at your feet, come in and start all over again, but says something is not right. I'd worked for teen challenge for 10 years women's director over evangelism, leading worship. You know, I was one of the top women directors of a teen challenge women's center in the United States. I'd speak on panels and boards across the United States. And here I am bankrupt, reckless. Okay. I was like a mess. And so that day in February on that Monday morning, I just laid myself down at the foot of Jesus again. And I said, take over something's gone wrong. And here's my life start all over again. And so I decided like every morning I would get up at five o'clock in the morning before I'd go to work and uh, at Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I would just uh, be still to try to know him. Sometimes I would sing. Sometimes I would read my Bible. Sometimes I would pray. And sometimes I just dance in my living room to worship music. I didn't know what to do. And sometimes he showed up in a powerful way. And other times there was no wind in the room at all. And so uh, then October, 2003 came around and our church was taking about 15 of us to this event uh, called the Father's Blessing in Toronto. And I can remember we got there on a Tuesday night. It was going to be, the event was actually Wednesday uh, through Saturday night. And we got there on a Tuesday night late and we all got to our hotel rooms. And the next morning, we had some time before the actual event would start on Wednesday afternoon. And um, the group had decided to go to Niagara Falls. And um, my son-in-law and I were like, no, nah, we're just, we, don't, we didn't come here for Niagara Falls. It's beautiful, but we came here for this event. And so they dropped us off at the church around, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning. And the first session wasn't starting till like two o'clock. And um, I can remember there were 4,000 people registered for this event. And so we got in the doors, they let us in, my son-in-law and I, and I went and sat in the back of the room because that's where we were scheduled for the first day, our, our group of about 15 of us to sit. And I went and sat in the back of the room and I just sat there for like four hours and I just watched everybody coming in and out and preparing and the worship team doing sound check and they're bringing more chairs in to seat people and oh, just all the things that you do before this big event uh, kicks off. And I just sat there waiting, just being still, just waiting, anticipating, didn't know what I was waiting for, or what I was anticipating, but I was a desperate woman. You know, I was like the woman with the issue of blood. I, I had done everything I knew to do. And I was like, so desperate to meet God, even though I had no idea what that meeting was going to look like. So anyway, everybody starts coming in, you know, as we approach the two o'clock in the room, this huge, huge room fills up. And then it was David Ruiz leading worship. I remember that. And our team was sitting towards the back. And, you know, we, I had been to Central America many times, lived in Guatemala for a season, lived in Mexico several times. So I knew some Spanish, but it was really poor, not good at all. Uh, it's much better today, but it was not good then. And, um, you know, as the, they were in worship at one point, John Arnott, he gets up and he says, where's our, our team of Mexicans um, in the room? And lo and behold, to our, uh, off to our right was about 30 Mexicans with their little headsets, their translator headsets sitting on, and they're all waving their hands and he welcomed them. And then he says this, he said, 
um, would all the Mexicans please come down front? Now, this is in the middle of worship. Nobody's preached yet. This is just he stops the worship and all these Mexicans go down front. And then John Arnott said this. He said, if you speak Spanish and I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're going to pray for everybody that speaks Spanish. This is awesome. Now, guys, at that time, I knew donde esta el baño, like where's the bathroom or hola or como estas? How are you? That's about it. I mean, I could not carry a converse on a conversation with anybody in Spanish, but I thought, hey, I speak Spanish, you know? And so, man, I made my way down to the front because they were going to pray for everybody that spoke Spanish too. That was crazy, right? I mean, like really crazy. I found out about five hours later, I'm going to tell you my story, but about five hours, hours later, what John Arnott really said is if you speak Spanish, we want you to come down and help us pray for these Spanish brothers and sisters. That's not what I, God did not want me to hear that. He set me up. Our pastor at that time afterwards, he said, Leanne, you stole the birthright. So anyway, I head down there and I see all these Hispanic people, about 30 of them standing there with their hands out front and in front of them. And I thought, well, I guess this is what you do. So I stood there, you know, with my blonde hair at the time and these dark skin, dark hair, Hispanic people. And I had my hands out front of me and um, I can imagine what the ministry team thought. It was a nobody that prayed for me. Let me just say that coming along and going, okay, this woman no more looks Spanish than I do. Um, but you know what? They Somebody touched me. I don't even know who it was. It wasn't Heidi Baker or Bill Johnson or Randy Clark, anybody like that. Just somebody on the worship team, a nobody to most of us. And said more, Lord. And boom, I was on the floor. Like in an instant, I was down. And for the next two and a half to three hours, God had me captive. Captive. He had me down on that floor and I could not move. And all I couldn't open my eyes. It was like I was Velcroed to the floor. And I just cried and cried and cried. I couldn't lift an arm, a leg. I couldn't do anything. And all I could feel is God's love come in me and out of me and through me and over me and one side to the other. And I tell you what, I was a mess. I was such a mess. And um, about two and a half hours, and then a little by little, another person would come and touch my shoulder, more Lord, or touch my ankle, more Lord. And I'd be, oh, and I don't know what happened after that. I don't know who preached. I don't know nothing for the next two and a half hours. It's like I was translated, but I was literally transformed. But I'll tell you what really transformed me here in a second. And so about two and a half hours later, I'm finally able to open my eyes. And uh, of course, I can't see much because my, my glasses are full of mascara, but I sit up and there's about another hundred people plastered on the floor of this church. Everybody else had gone to dinner. I found out later. And um, so I get up and I go to the restroom and I, I clean my face up, clean my glasses, and I go and sit back in my seat. And my seat, I was in two and a half, three hours before this. And I sit there and I said, God, what was that about? And this is what God spoke to me. He said, you know, Leanne, you've always been a woman of God. You've been a woman with a passion after, for me. You've been a woman of integrity, a woman of, of virtue, a woman traveling the nations. You've been a woman of God, but I don't want a woman of God anymore. I want a little girl that knows she has a big dad. Friends, that's when I was transformed. I was so impacted and it wasn't, yes, being on the floor and shaking and crying and everything and his love, I call it now my baptismal love. I'll, I'll break that down for you in a future podcast, how I found that, that that's what really happened to me three years later. Uh, it was actually my spiritual father, Leif Hetland, three years later when I met him that unfolded that for me. But anyway, that experience on the floor was incredible. But what transformed me was what God spoke to me. 
that I was to be not any longer be a woman of God, but to be a little girl with a big dad. That's what transformed my life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. God, I'm your daughter. I'm your daughter. I'm your little girl. Oh my goodness. And friends, I had to process that over the next few days because I, I like, what is it? I, oh, I know how to be a woman of God. I know how to preach. I know how to prophesy. I know how to evangelize, but I don't know how to be a daughter of God. I don't know how to be a little girl with a big dad. And you know what? I didn't know anybody that knew how to be a daughter or a son of God. Oh, we sing songs about being sons and daughters. You know, we talk about being sons and daughters of God, but I didn't know anybody that was doing it. Oh, I knew people that knew how to prophesy and knew how to preach and knew how to evangelize, knew how to lead worship, you know, and knew how to teach and this and that. But I didn't know anybody that knew how to be a son or a daughter, much less a little girl or a little boy of, of God. And so this is what I did because I had to figure out now, how do I, how do I be a little girl with a big dad? And so I asked my brother, Jesus, I said, Jesus, which you, you are the best son. You know how to be a beloved son. Your, your father said, you are my beloved son who I'm well pleased with. Jesus, would you take my hand and would you teach me how to be a daughter? Would you teach me how to be that little girl that has a big dad, that it's not any longer, you know, the father or our father, but it's my father, my dad. Would you please teach me? Because I don't know anybody that knows how to do this. And people, friends, friend, I knew a lot of people. I knew a lot of people in ministry, but I didn't know anybody that knew how to be a son or a daughter of God and walk in their identity as that. And so for the next three years, Jesus took and taught me how to be a daughter. I don't know if you know how to be a daughter of God or a son of God, but you know what? I am just blessing you that you will reach out to Jesus. If you don't know anybody that's living like a son of God or a daughter of God, and not just a son or a daughter, but a beloved son or daughter of God, that they know that their dad is well-pleased with them, that no matter what they do, that their dad delights in them. He dances over them, you know, and shouts over them with joy. As Zephaniah talks about, he spins around joyfully over them. If you don't know anybody that's doing that, then I'm just going to bless you right now for to ask Jesus, Jesus, will you teach me how to be your beloved daughter? Will you show me how to be your beloved son who my father is well-pleased with? And you know, friends, now I go into countries like let's just say Sri Lanka. I've ministered in Sri Lanka a few times. I've done women's, co women's conferences there for up to a thousand women. I've preached in churches that have 6,000 people. And now you know what I'm known of, uh, known as in Sri Lanka, the little girl that has a big dad. I'm not known as the woman of God in Sri Lanka. People don't go, Oh, so you had that woman of God, Leanne Goff in your church or your conference. No, they'll go, you mean you had the little girl with the big dad in your conference? You mean the little girl with the big dad did your women's conference, spoke in your church, um, you know, did a, 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 an event for your leaders? That's what I'm known of in Cuba and Sri Lanka and other places. I'm known as the little girl with the big dad. And you know what? That is freeing. Talk about freedom. That is so freeing. I don't have to live up to be, oh, I got to be this woman of God. You know, I got to present myself in this certain way or that little way um, or this big way to be this woman of God and live up to everybody's expectations. You know, kids don't, that's not the way they live. Kids are just free and they go about, they're joyful, you know, if they, if somebody, you know, takes their toy from them, you know, they're not like, oh, well, I'll never talk to you again. No, they're like, okay, I'll go find another toy. You know, it's just like kids are free. And as a, as a son and a daughter of God, as a little girl, a little boy of, of Papa God, Daddy God, Abba Father, Daddy God, that's who I am. As sons and daughters of God, we live free. And before my, what I call my baptismal love, October 2003, and I'll talk more about that in a future podcast, 
You know, I was an orphan. I was this woman of God as an orphan going around and ministering to orphans. That was what I was doing. And orphans, basically, they compete, they're jealous, you know, they strive. And that's what I was doing. Maybe that's, you don't understand that, or maybe you've never been there, but I was, you know, um, orphans, instead of orphans, they tolerate each other. Okay. Sons and daughters celebrate one another. And so, you know what, that's how I can really tell if somebody is really walking as a son and daughter of God, or they're still an orphan. It's like, if they're jealous, they're competing, they're tolerating, like, well, they got to lead worship, you know, this morning, nobody asked me, or they got to do this. And why didn't I get, or they got a new car? Why don't I have a new car? Whatever, you know, then that's kind of like an indication that we're really walking with an orphan mentality, a lack mentality. You know, um, I'm, I'm no longer an orphan. I'm daughter of God. And I always have been, but I just didn't know it until that, that encounter with my father's love, October, 2003, that literally transformed my life. It was the greatest, most stunning breakthrough I ever had in my life. And so I'm so thankful that I showed up to that event. I was hungry. I was desperate. Now we don't live in continuous desperation for God. If we do, there's something wrong. My kids and my grandkids are not continuously desperate to be around us. All right. If they're always desperate for us, or something from us, then you know what? There's a dysfunction there. Something's wrong with that. But you know, there are times in our life that we can come to that place. Like we know, God, we need you to show up and show off in our lives. God, we need a breakthrough in our lives. So father, would you just come and just move and do something? And so that's how I live now, friend. I, I don't live in a place of desperation all the time. I live as a little girl with a big dad. My dad's got my back. He's the best dad in all the world. And you know, and I can I like myself now. I Before my baptismal love, I really didn't like to be with myself. Now I'm perfectly fine being with me. I like, and that's an indication. Are you living as a daughter, a son of God, or are you living as an orphan? Orphans really don't like being by themselves. Okay. Um, they, they have to always like be in commotion. Um, you know, a lot of drama with orphans, to be honest with you, but you know, beloved sons and daughters of God, they like being by themselves. Now we love being around people, but we like being by ourselves. Like we are comfortable. Like I can be with just me. Like I like being with me. I'm comfortable with me. Are you comfortable with you? Let me ask you that. Are you comfortable with you? If there was nobody else around, could you be okay with just you? Think about that. You know what? I couldn't before. I was not comfortable before October 2003 just being with me. Now I am. And I love just being with my dad too. I love being before, you know, this is the epitome of an orphan mentality. Before my baptismal love in October 2003, I would ask Jesus to go ask God to do something for me because I knew he'd do it for Jesus, but I wasn't convinced that he would do it for me. I was not convinced of that. So I like, Jesus, would you ask God to do this? Because I know he'll do it for you. Oh my gosh. You're probably thinking, boy, this woman was really screwed up. Well, guys, I'm just being honest with you. That's the truth. My, my mentality was so messed up. My orphan mentality was so bad. And you know what? The main reason I'll tell you is because I didn't know God as my father. And one reason is because I never knew my biological father. Um, and I'll talk to you about that more in a future podcast, but I never had a relationship with my biological father. So I actually looked at God through the lenses of my biological father. My, obviously my biological father was a part of creating me, but he didn't want to have anything to do with me. And I didn't meet him till I was 26 years old and he was dying. And so that's the way I looked at God through the lenses 
of my biological father. And I find as I minister to people and counsel with people, that's the way most of us do. We look at God through the lenses of our biological fathers, sometimes our biological mother, but generally it's our biological fathers. And so that's my story. That's how I experienced the transformational breakthrough. And I'm so thankful that I was desperate enough to show up an event. Now, look, we don't, we can't be going to events all the time. It can happen in your living room. It can happen in your shower. It can happen in your car. Now you don't want to pass out on the, in the car for two and a half hours. Okay. Trust me. You don't want to do that. Um, like I did on that floor, but, um, you know what God will show up. The key is, are we desperate enough for him to do it? Are we at a place in our life that we're willing to abandon ourselves, forget about our titles, forget about our ministries, forget about, you know, what we've done and what we haven't done, just forget about any of our accomplishments and, and just really lay ourselves down at the foot of the cross, at the foot of Jesus and say, you know what? Something's wrong. Jesus, I need you to come in and fix me. Whatever you need to do, do it. I don't care, but I can't continue to live this way anymore. So if that's you, my friend, I'm just blessing you to have that supernatural breakthrough, that super supernatural transformation, that you will come out of that, that encounter with God and his love, that you will not walk the same anymore, talk the same anymore, think the same anymore, live the same anymore, um, that you will be transformed like I was transformed. And so I'm just declaring over you that, that the, the, the spirit of the testimony out of revelation means do it again, Father, come in, do it for your son and your daughter that's listening right now, like you did it for me in October, 2003. And so friend, blessing you, going to sign off now, your transformational coach, the transformational coach, Leanne Goff. Thank you for listening to The Transformational Coach with Leanne Goff. You can find out more about Leanne and her resources on her website, leannegoffministries.org, as well as her Instagram at leannegoffministries. If you've enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends, and don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen.